If you have a Bible and you want to, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. Let's just take a few minutes before we get into it and just invite just your heart to just be open to receive. We don't have to invite the Holy Spirit. He's here. There's, do y'all hear the, I hear whistling. I can't, I can't stop. (laughs) Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. The Father is here. So we just invite our hearts to receive. Amen? (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start reading in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And what I want you to do as we're reading it is to pay attention to how you feel when you hear the words. Okay, I don't want you to think about what you're supposed to feel. (laughs) I want you to allow yourself to have an honest reaction, okay? All right, everybody good? Okay, verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Okay, based on a combination of what you've been taught and your own experience, these verses may excite you, they may encourage you, They may uh, make you feel confused or numb. They may give you a lot of anxiety or you may feel a load of condemnation. Okay? Because there has been a teaching in some areas of the church that has interpreted these verses to mean that whatever impossibility you can dream for your life, if you... You can, it's, it can be possible for you if you can just believe and not doubt. Okay? Right? Okay. So all we have to do is dream it and believe it and speak it into existence with our words. Okay? And this teaching will, it, it informs us that if we're not experiencing our miracle, then we must not have enough faith. And if we're not receiving what we're asking for in prayer, then it must be because we can't just we just can't get rid of this pesky doubt. Okay? So there is some truth to this teaching, but it is most certainly extremely incomplete. Okay? And it's created a culture in the church of spiritual elitism. Where we have the haves and the have-nots. And we have the believers and we have the doubters. And we have the favored and we have the ordinary. Okay? (laughs) You guys okay? 
So what this has done is that those who appear to have a lot are given a legitimacy tag. And people are encouraged to follow them because look how successful they are. And we flock to them because we also want a formula to be able to possess our desires. Right? Okay? This has also created a culture where those who appear to be successful um, oftentimes will portray themselves as having God's stamp of approval. And therefore, oftentimes, they will put themselves above question. If you question me, then you're coming against God's anointed. Okay? And believers are encouraged to have faith in the miracles they see or the abundant life that they want. And if they're not, then they're called doubters. Or if they want to put a little bit more of a loving spin on it, they'll call you the wounded. <laughs> Anybody else? Either way, we are, we are told and taught that if we're not experiencing abundant life and, and the abundant life that they say is the abundant life, then we must be the problem. Okay? So Paul would disagree with this. When he was addressing the, I love Paul's words, I'm going to have to read them to you. Because he was addressing the Christian church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And he says, um, starting verse 7, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, then why are you boasting? In other words, why are you acting like... It's because of you that you have all these things. Okay? He says, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. You have become like kings and without us. How I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of a procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are honor, you are honored and we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, and we are homeless. We work hard with our hands, and when we are cursed, we bless. And when we are persecuted, we endure it. And when we are slandered, we answer kindly. Okay? So Paul's not saying, and I'm not saying, that life is always hard. And you should expect to always go through hard things. That's not what he's saying. Okay? But also, you can't, what he's saying is, you cannot measure the worth of a person's faith by what you see. Nor can you measure the spirituality of a person by how hard it is. It is neither or. Okay? Yes, we have access to abundance. But yes, we are going to face hard things. Okay? And if you've ever wrestled with questions, if you ever struggled with why you've had to endure hard things, you are in good company. 
It was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right before the cross, in prayer, where he says, Father, please let this cup pass from me. Please give me another way. Now imagine if Jesus would have just dreamed it and believed it and spoke it into existence. What if he would have just said, I command that this cup be passed from me right now. He would have gotten what he wanted. But his gain would have been the world's loss. Okay? Now I wonder, on a much smaller scale, how often, because the church has not understood what it means to believe and not doubt, has it been our gain but the world's loss? Do you want me to... <laughs> Do you guys get that? Okay. So let's go back to hopefully t- today we can shed a little bit of light on what it means to, what it actually means for us to believe and not doubt. Okay? Not that we don't know. <laughs> let's go back to the words, to Jesus' words in Mark. When he said, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Okay? In order for us to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to understand the context with which he is saying these things. Okay? This is a few days before he's going to go to the cross. He has already entered triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem as king. Okay, earlier this same day, he he had cursed a fig tree and then he entered into the city of Jerusalem and he cleared the temple and he overturned the tables and he drove out the money changers. And then he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Okay, and then later that day, he and his disciples are walking out of the city. They see that 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 fig tree that Jesus cursed and it's withered and they're all amazed that it's withered. And that is what led Jesus to say this thing. Hey, speak to the, you can speak to this mountain and it will go and be cast into the sea. Okay. So based on the context here, we can see that there's something much bigger going on here than Jesus just saying, well, whatever you think is impossible, just speak it and it will happen. Okay, what's going on here is that the old covenant system is coming to an end, which was pictured in the withering of the fig tree and Jesus going and clearing out the temple and saying, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And when he says, this mountain, you can speak to this mountain and it will be thrown into the sea, he is standing at Mount Zion. This is the mountain of the Lord. This is the mountain of the kingdom of God. And he says, you can speak to this mountain and it will be thrown into the sea. Now the sea represents the nations. So what he's trying to do is he's, get, he, he, he's trying to teach his disciples, you must change your belief system. The old covenant is being brought to an end and what you think is going to be the kingdom of God is not going to be the kingdom of God. The Messiah will not reign on this mountain, but you are going to speak and this mountain, this kingdom of God is going to go into all the nations. 
And the disciples would have thought at the time that this is impossible. And Jesus says, not only is it possible, you are going to do it. You are going to speak to this mountain, and this mountain is going to go into all the nations of the earth until all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Christ. Okay? Talk about impossible. That's impossible. (laughs) Okay? So if we are going to understand what it means to speak to this mountain, then we have to know that it's it's. It's in the context of this larger mission for the kingdom to advance miraculously into all the nations of the earth. Okay? Does this mean that this doesn't apply to us as individuals and we can't use this principle to expect the miraculous in our life? Of course not. Because although this applies to the larger kingdom of God and the mission of the church, we all have a role to play in that mission. And we have been given permission by Jesus to ask for and receive and believe whatever we need to accomplish that mission. Okay? You guys okay? Okay? All right, so how do we do this? How do we live a life of belief and not doubt? Okay, the first thing that we have to know is we have to know the importance of connection. Okay, and we have to be aware of the dangerous power of words that are unsubmitted. Okay, we have to know the dangerous power of words that are unsubmitted. Okay? There's, there's also a belief in the church that if we are going to receive things from the Lord, then we have to speak it. We have to declare it. That we create our destiny with our words. Okay? So if we constantly speak negative things, then we will create negative environments. And if we constantly speak positive things, or if we constantly speak powerful words of faith, then we will create environments where we prosper. Okay, this is partially true. The Bible teaches us that we will eat the harvest of the fruit of our lips. Okay? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay? So the principle is true that our words are powerful and that we will eat the harvest of the words that we say. And we have the power to create um, or to, to, to help create the environments that are in front of us. Okay? The world actually even agrees with this concept, okay? There's a new age philosophy called the law of attraction. All right, who's heard of this? See, the law of attraction, okay? And the belief is that through focused, positive thinking and through visualizing your dreams that the universe will align with what you desire, And that you can actually bend the universe to your will. And then 
as you begin to communicate with or speak to the world around you, that it will respond to your words and it will bring you what you want. Okay? Actually, in, uh, there are, has been, <laughs> excuse me, there has been experiments in quantum physics that has seemed to substantiate the fact that the world around you responds to your words. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the problem with this belief is that there's just enough truth in it to sound really good and yet be really deceptive at the same time. Okay? Because if our positive words and if our focused belief on success and abundance, if it isn't connected with the heart of God or the will of God, then it can be really dangerous for us. Okay? Because sometimes we don't know what's best for us. Okay? Phil Mason says this in his book, Quantum Glory, regarding using positive affirmation and focused meditation to bring about your success without being connected to God. He says, "Um, whenever someone attempts to manipulate the spirit realm to achieve certain goals, no matter how noble or well-intentioned those goals, no matter how noble or well-intentioned those goals may be, that person has crossed over into witchcraft. Now listen to this. Witchcraft, by definition, is the attempt to procure spiritual power to establish your own will. Okay? It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do those things. It doesn't mean that you can't use those concepts. What matters is where's your heart connected? Who are you submitted to? Whose will are you trying to establish? Okay? Because we can be connected to the source of God's power, or we can be connected to the power of witchcraft. Okay? God has created the universe to respond to our words. Okay? Yes, we should be speaking positive words. Yes, we will eat the harvest of the fruit of our lips. Yes, we should declare and speak things that we need to have happen and that we should believe for the miraculous. Yes, we should do that. But we have to make sure that when we're doing it, that we are not trying to establish our will, that we are submitted to his will. Because if we're not, we may get what we want, but it's nothing but witchcraft. And it looks good, but it's dangerous. Yeah, we talked about that. (laughs) Are you guys okay? (laughs) Jesus didn't say, speak to every mountain that's in your way. He said, speak to this mountain. (laughs) Speak to this mountain. Because if we're trying to speak to every mountain, (laughs) we may be creating dangerous situations for ourselves. Jesus said, believe whatever you ask for in prayer. Okay? That means that I've taken my desires to the Lord in prayer. And as I'm in prayer with him, I'm learning his desires for me. 
and I'm learning how I fit into his larger mission to advance the kingdom on the earth. And I'm learning what I should have the faith to believe for and what I need to endure. Okay? Does that make sense? You guys okay? All right. So we have to be connected. All right. Number two. Let's, number two. Let's talk about what Jesus meant when he said not to doubt. Okay? You guys ready? There are several Greek words in the New Testament that are translated as doubt. Okay? One of the words that is translated as doubt means to, um, to be uncertain or to be perplexed. It means I'm standing here at a crossroads and I don't know which way to go. And I am unsure of how to make this decision. Okay? That is not the kind of doubt that Jesus meant in this passage. Okay? The word that is most often translated doubt means to waver in opinion. Okay, this is the kind of faith that thinks you know the answer, but then you're not sure. Okay, this is the kind of doubt. Um, Jesus used this word for doubt with Peter after he had walked on the water, and then he saw the wind and the waves, and then he started to sink. And after Jesus helped him in the boat, he said, Oh, you have little faith. Why are you doubting? Why did you, why did you doubt? Okay, now... Because we attach so much shame to doubting, we read this as a rebuke. Man, Peter, golly, you almost did it, you bonehead. Like, how could you mess up like that? Like, you, you didn't have enough faith, Peter. I mean, you almost were great, but then you failed. Way to go, Peter. That's how we read that. But what if we didn't read it like a condemnation? And what if we read it like a celebration? Because no matter how little faith Peter had, he had more faith than anyone else in the boat. Okay? So what if Jesus was celebrating here? What if he was like, Peter, you had a little faith, Peter. Way to go. You did it. You had faith. Good job. Why did you stop walking? Why did you stop? Keep walking. Why did you let the wind and the waves change your opinion of what you could do? Peter, next time, keep walking. Don't let anything else change your mind about who you are. You have faith, Peter. Way to go. What if we thought God talked like that? Because he does. Okay? <laughs> but none of those are the words that Jesus used that when he said do not doubt in the verses that we're talking about. The word that he used literally means to judge between. Okay? And it's a word that means that you examined, you've examined carefully, and you've investigated thoroughly, and then you've rendered a decision. Okay? So this is the kind of doubt that knows which way to go. And it commits to it. And then the minute that it gets hard or there's opposition, he reverses and changes position. Okay? 
This is the kind of doubt that would have happened if Jesus in the garden would have struggled with his questions and with the way in front of him and would have gotten up from that prayer and went, you know what, I'm going I'm to give God a few more days. I'm going to give God a chance to like give me another way. Maybe he doesn't have enough time yet. I, I think, I, I think I'm going to give him a chance to give me an easier road. That's doubt. You know the way. You're struggling with it. It's in front of you. Oh, it's too hard. I think I'm going to go this way. That's what it means to believe and not doubt. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) This is connected to the inability to commit or to persevere. Okay, it's not the questions that are doubt. It's not the wrestling that's doubt. It's the inability to have those hard conversations with the Lord and then get up and be committed to the way forward and saying, I will go forward and I will not go back. I will not take the easy road. I will not look for an alternate road. I will not go backwards. I will go forward no matter how hard it is. You guys okay? This is the same word that's used in Romans chapter 4 when talking about Abraham. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. You know what that means? That means like as he was walking, everything came against him. And he says, against all hope, when it looked like it wasn't happening, in hope he kept going. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and since he was about a 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Okay? Did Abraham ever question the word of the Lord? Absolutely he did. In Genesis chapter 15, he looks at God and he says, you have given me no children, and so my servant is going to be the one who inherits my estate. Did Abraham ever... Stop believing in the promise of God. And so he decided that he would have to do it in his own power. Yes, he did. In Genesis chapter 16, he decides that God's not doing it. And so he's got to go and have a son with Sarah's servant. Okay? Yet this says Abraham never wavered through unbelief regarding the promise of God. How is that possible? Because it's not about the questions, and it's not about the wrestling, and it's not about your mistakes. You know why Abraham never wavered? You know why he never was uh, weakened in his faith, but he was strengthened in his faith? Because every conversation that he had with the Lord, after he had the conversation, he got up and he went forward. And he moved in obedience every time. No matter what it looked like, no matter how much it, it didn't make sense, 
He, he believed that God was big enough to handle his questions and God was big enough to cover his mistakes. And he says, I'm going forward. I don't understand it. I don't know. I don't see it, but I'm going with God because I'm committed. Okay. Do you get that? All right. <laughs> Listen, if you have been beating yourself up or if you have been beaten up because you just don't have enough faith, you just have too much doubt, you have too much questions, you struggle too hard, I have good news. You are not a doubter, you are a believer. Because if you're still here, and you're still with him, and you're still holding on, and you're still moving forward, you are a believer. You are an overcomer. You will see the glory of God. Don't let anybody else change your opinion of you that you get from the Lord. Don't let anybody else change his, like your idea of his opinion of you. <laughs> Okay, you are a believer. Sometimes we have to wrestle it through with him. Sometimes, like Jesus did in the garden, we have to say, Lord, like, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why that person over there seems to be like, in so much favor. And it seems like all I have is hard things in front of me. I don't understand why it works out for some people and not for others. It's okay to ask the question. As long as you're struggling through it with him and then you get up and you say, I don't know why. I don't know the way in front of me, but I'm moving forward. I'm holding on to God. I will not change course. Okay? You guys okay? Listen, uh, we don't, there's more, but I, I feel like that's a good place to stop. It's almost time. So uh, we'll just, we'll, we can finish the rest of it another time. But I feel like that's just a really good place to stop, and I want you to know when you stand to your feet, know that you're standing to your feet as a believer, as an overcomer, questions and all, struggles and all. Don't let anybody else change your opinion of who you are. You are enough. You are believers. Believers change the world. We will see the glory of God in the land of the living. Because we're committed to the way forward. Okay? And we're connected to the right source. Okay? All right? You guys can stand up. We're just going to worship for a few minutes and we're going to take our eyes off of what everybody else has said about us whatever questions whatever mistakes and we're going to lift our eyes higher and we're going to know he he's greater 
than our questions. He's greater than our mistakes. He's greater than our wrestling. He's greater than all those things. And we are his church. Whatever we need, whatever you need to play your role in the church, keep going back and holding on to God and then keep getting up and committing to the way forward because you are a believer. We are believers.